Ave Maria Purissima, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As I mentioned yesterday, when St. John sends his disciples to our Lord to ask him the question, it's not because St. John the Baptist has any doubt at all about who our Lord is. It's because he knows that after he's killed, that there'll be a temptation of the disciples to be sort of true to his memory and not follow our Lord. So he's making sure that they hear right from our Lord's mouth really who he is, and he talks about the miracles, and then they go back. So St. John very cleverly, uh, he's a great prophet, has his disciples do that. Notice what our Lord gives as evidence that he's the Messiah. It's the miracles. Miracles are very, very important. Sometimes people dismiss them. But why should we believe someone sent from heaven? If you're sending an ambassador to a country, there's a couple of things the country does. They send you a notice beforehand that we're dispatching a new ambassador, and then when he shows up, he presents his papers. Our Lord was spoken of beforehand by the prophets. Well, they knew where he was going to be born. This is why, in fact, the Magi, when they arrived from Persia, they go to Beth or they go to Jerusalem, and 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 the why the people there tell them, oh, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. It's only six miles away. They couldn't be bothered to go over there, but he's only six miles from them right then. And uh, they knew where our Lord was going to be born. They knew he's going to be born of a virgin. We read that in Isaiah. There's all kinds of prophecies about our Lord. Then our Lord shows up and proves that he's been sent by God by his miracles. That's the object of the miracles. The miracles are just enough so that, that we, they don't make us have to believe because then you don't get the reward for faith. You say, no, this is something that has to be believed. Here he is, he's fulfilling all these things, and now he's giving the, 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 the blind sight. What's the explanation for that? The deaf here, he's driving out devils in his own name. There's all these things going on. So anybody that's intellectually honest has to make a decision right then. Am I going to believe him or not? And in fact, Christ does that to all of us. That's the most important question that any of us can ever answer is, who is Christ to me? What difference does he make in my life? Is he just a swear word, like he seems to be for most of our population? Does he really make a difference in my life? And the miracles still go on, by the way. He's convicted people from the beginning. Why did our ancestors convert? Unless we're Hebrew ancestry, why did they convert? Think of it. Psalm 95.5 says, All the gods, the Gentiles, are demons. All of us here, unless you're a Jewish Catholic, are descended from devil worshippers. It's not immediately obvious why a devil worshipper would convert. Take an easy example. Go into a biker bar this Saturday night when everybody's getting rowdy. Get up on a table and say, all right, y'all, calm down. I got some news for you. There's 10 commandments. Get your hand off her. Put that beer down. Stop this. And here's how it's going to be. And see what happens to you. And yet that's exactly what the missionaries did with our ancestors. That's why there's so many martyrs. Because it took miracles, martyrdoms, and the word of God to convert our ancestors. And all three of those are essential. One of the amazing things about the Irish or people of Irish here is it didn't take any martyrs. That's the amazing thing about St. Patrick, is he converted them. He had the miracles and he had the word of God, but they converted without martyrs. But that's really rare. Typically, the priests get killed that bring the message, just like you would going into a rough biker bar 
and telling them what to do and how to do it and giving them the gospel. But that's what our ancestors did. Why? Because there were also miracles associated with it. And it still goes on. God sends just enough things that anybody that really wants to know the truth is going to know the truth. Why did he send Potter Peel in an age like ours? And right now, you could get on the internet, look him up, you can see movies of Potter Peel. There's a statue, of course, right there, but you can see him walking around. A man that there's still plenty of people alive that know him. He only died in 1968. A man that would be in more than one place at the same time. Men that could sit in a confessional, and if you tried to fake him out, he'd correct you. And then he'd remind you of things you forgot. He could tell you all your sins. He could read hearts. A man who fought with the devil, a man who walked around with the stigmata for 50 years. Someone asked him, Do those hurt? And he said, Our Lord didn't give them to me for decoration. If you watch him walking up on the altar, he can hardly get up on the altar. Why did God send a priest like that in a time like ours? To remind us. To remind us. There's enough Eucharistic miracles. We have Fatima and the miracle of the sun. We have Padre Pio. We have incorrupt. There's always just enough miracles to witness, just like our Lord told the disciples of John, that this is of God and it should be believed. Now that being said, one more thing. Since we're in Advent, we're looking for the coming of our Lord. In Advent, the readings remind us of two things. His coming in mercy as the babe in Bethlehem and also his coming in the clouds of glory at the end of the world. And we should think about that because we know towards the end of the world there's going to be another one that comes to claim to be Christ. And he's going to do marvels. And most of the world is going to follow him, the Antichrist. And the Antichrist is not somebody that's going to, he's going to look very convincing. Very convincing. And the people who haven't already made up their mind who Christ is and that he's come and haven't committed themselves to him, they're going to be swept away. So in Advent, it's a good time for us to think about the end of the world as well. Because we're all going to have our personal end of the world, whether we live to see our Lord coming in, in, in glory, that's, that's a different question. We're all going to have to meet him. And he's going to be our judge. We want to make right now that decision in our heart, who Christ is to me. Really make sure that when you look in your heart, that he's reigning there and not someone or something else.